here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Cable. Look. I just killed someone. This is the blood. Look. He's back here. Wanna see? You know you're heading on straight. I'm gonna kill you too on Sunday. Yeah, probably. That's why they put me here. I've got no strings. I've got no strings. So I have fun. I'm not tied up to anyone. They've got strings, but you can see there are no strings on me. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we fire up the system, take control of maybe someone else and have them watch these films for us, because maybe a little bit of distance will help sometimes. I am Nick Moore, with me are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne. Hello everybody. And Mark. How do you do? Well, we do well, we do poorly, depending on what we watch. And I'm still not sure how to feel about this one. It was weird. We watched Gamer. Gamer was a video game related film. The entire plot is very much about video games, starring Gerard Butler and Michael C. Hall of Dexter fame. Uh, We will start with Mark because he looked like he was about to have an opinion there. So, Mark, let's have you start this up. Yeah, um, I absolutely know exactly how I feel about this game, uh, movie, game, movie. Um, I wholeheartedly feel like it was written and directed by a 13-year-old. From the dialogue to the way it was edited to the way it's cut, it just feels like a 13-year-old wrote it. Like, some of the dialogue is atrociously bad. And, um, and sometimes, like, there's moments in the film and we get into it as we go through the shenanigans, although there's not really a lot of depth to it, but there's just scenes where I'm like, what, what just happened? Like, I don't understand what just happened. Why is he flying sideways through the air? Did he get blown up? What happened? Did he jump? I'm not really sure. And that's kind of the way I felt about the whole movie. So yeah, Wayne, okay. how about you? Yeah, Wayne. <laughs> so I have to stop for a moment and remind ourselves that the idea of the podcast was to try and find the good. I'll 100%. get there. In- I'll get there. These films. Now, when I say these films, I'm talking about video game adapted films. And it's very easy to pull something good, even on a bad film like Double Dragon or Assassin's Creed, because we can still relate to the game and say, well, at least it did this or it had that character or looked in this clothing. But when we do these video game theme movies, there's nothing for it to be pulled from. So it's harder to find something good from. 
This movie should be. <laughs> this was probably the worst I film mean. I've watched of the entire thing. Honestly, it's the worst thing I've seen of this entire podcast. The editing was so atrocious. Every action scene, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't feel like there was right? any depth, like Mark said. And it was just chaos. It was a rated R version of Ready Player One. And I don't know. Garbage. <laughs> so I agree and disagree with that entire assessment. <laughs> I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I love this film because I don't. This film has an avalanche worth of problems. <laughs> but I like the central conceit of the idea of this film. I like some of the ideas they attempt to tackle. But yes, the action is the weakest part. Now, Oof. did you both know who directed this film? Because this surprised me. Wasn't it it a, felt like Yui Bull, but no, who? Wasn't it a husband and wife or something like that? Or a, it's a directing duo. It's a duo uh-huh. or something. And it's the directing duo that made the Crank films. Oh, really? And they wrote it, Which too. really surprises me, because if I remember correctly, the action scenes are some of the strongest parts of Crank in terms of at least knowing what's going on. They're <laughs> juvenile. They're incredibly juvenile. But at least you know what's happening. And Crank is nothing without its action. So Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Crank is action and comedy. And this film tries to inject some comedy, but it goes a lot darker than Crank. And I think it fails for that reason. I think if this mm-hmm. film tried to be a little bit more satirical and a little bit funnier, like a little bit more of a dark satire, it would have landed a bit better. But instead, having this really bleak tone makes all of the gory excess and all of the over-the-top kind of <laughs> yeah. disgusting moments just leave you with a sick sense in your stomach. So it doesn't really work. Yeah. But... For those who do not know the plot of this film, Gamer takes place That's in me. the year. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, we watched it, and I don't know what the plot of this film is. No, I'm just kidding. I do know, but it's Going terrible. from the beginning, and actually, even in my notes, that's something I pointed out that was kind of frustrating me. The first 10 minutes, they throw you in with zero explanation as to what's going on, what the world yep. is, what the stakes are, mm-hmm. nothing. 10 minutes without even mm-hmm. an exposition scene of any kind, you just yep. get dropped into... Mm-hmm an action battle where you have soldiers fighting and you can't tell who's who. Is it an A versus B kind of military fight? Is it every man for himself? There's no rhyme or reason to it. You can't even tell the progression through the location. True. No. You have no idea where they are. Like at least in other action films, you know, when they're going through point A through point B, you can tell throughout the battle where they are in that battle. Yes. Yes. But in this one, you're like, I don't know where they are, how they're getting there. I'm going to circle back to that first fight because that's, first fight sets the tone for this whole movie unfortunately but when you get past (laughs) that and they try to address the actual story of it in the year 2034 they've created technology these nano was it nanites or nano computers that you can put in someone's brain where another person can take control of them and two different functions are created out of this society you have literally society which is like this sims type game in real life where someone has mm-hmm. this computer put in their brain and another human being can remotely control them and live the life they want to live through a human proxy and that could be your day job you just go to sim world basically society place and get told how to dress and what to do and you just are a living robot and the other half is running man 2.0 because they blatantly steal from running man anyone on death row gets put into the slayers game where it's a death free-for-all and if you survive 30 levels of this you're pardoned from your sentence. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, our main character is someone who's like, what was it, 27 stages in? So he's the closest yeah. one to ever going to win. And people adore him mm-hmm. because it's the running man. This is stealing yeah. from the running man. Mm-hmm. But that first fight from the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not the book. The movie, which not the book. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, The Running Man, I'd actually argue is a better video game related film we could have talked about. <laughs> But maybe we'll get to it in the future. You know what? You're absolutely right. I agree. I'd also argue that Crank, at least Crank 1, is a better video game related film that we could have tackled. But let's focus. (laughs) I argue that Titanic is a better video game related film. Titanic is a (laughs) Getting over the absolute chaos of not knowing what's going on and the two points that stood out to me, because I've. We've watched a lot of bad editing. Assassin's Creed jumps to mind with some really bad mm-hmm. edits. Chung Lee was yeah. incomprehensible. But this Correct. had two mm-hmm. things that stood out that I didn't understand why they happened. One was in the middle of this warehouse fight when people are, you know, shooting and running and screaming. A grenade gets tossed. And as Gerard Butler's character starts, like, leaping over some sort of hurdle and running, the camera spins 360 with him, even though he's not spinning. Yeah. yeah. It's like the camera was on the dolly fell and just looped around. And I don't understand why it was there other than to disorient the audience. Yeah. And then later on, when he's running up a set of stairs, he goes to hit somebody with the butt of his rifle. And it does three separate cuts in the space of one motion of hitting someone with the butt of your rifle. Yeah. That is some fast editing. I couldn't tell what was happening. There was two shots in there where it was a shaky cam of the concrete wall. Yeah. It was just a concrete wall. I looked at Christina. I'm like, what? It's in the middle of the action. What is, who cares about what the wall looks like? Yeah. But to focus on the positive from it. And I know they drop you into this. You don't really know what's going on, but it was a really cool tease to the world that they're living in when, Gerard Butler is up on the second floor of this warehouse and he can hear footsteps coming behind him and you see him say to Mm. nobody really worried and tense turn me around because he's trying to talk to the player because he knows he's going to die confusing in the moment but I knew it was important like okay that's kind of cool what's happening here and the Mm. shop the digital shop during the first warehouse fight (laughs) what's amazing (laughs) yes because what's the point of it (laughs) you've got the the one soldier talking to this random person in white garb asking to buy this and that someone dies beside them splatters the shop owner with blood no reaction whatsoever and just continues to do the transaction i (laughs) it was too much i was laughing and and that's just it this whole movie is it's just to your point the thing that i do like about the movie is i like that its concept is almost a meta commentary on social media and video games and online video gaming and online culture in general. The, the anonymity of sort of the keyboard warrior or someone being, you know, behind a screen, but it just misses executing any sort of meaningful relevance to that sort of meta commentary. It's just things are happening and, nor like, do you care for any of these I, characters or what they're going through. I don't care about a goddamn person. If they, they were in, if, there was probably about 700 times I was like, well, just kill them already. Because like the yeah. war is so <laughs> random that I could not believe he's just survived this. And when he gets that one upgrade, that gun that just shoots a rocket in the air that homes it and kills someone, I'm like, you got to tell me he's not the only one who can afford that upgrade. 
like somebody else would have spent the money in game or real mm. to buy that to take him out because he's such a celebrity and he has no defense against that. So plot armor. The, he the, has plot armor. Plot armor. So much plot armor. plot armor. Oh my god. I mean, Terry Crews should have annihilated him later in the movie, but we'll get to that. Plot armor is strong oh, a in pointless this. character, too. And yeah. the film takes itself far more seriously than it should, which I think hurts it. If it was a little bit more yep. playful yes. and went a little bit more satire with its themes, I think that could have helped quite a bit. Also, they should have fired their second unit director and gotten someone who can stage a proper action scene, because I don't understand what was happening for at least the first fight. They got marginally better as they went on. And there was one spot specifically mm-hmm. the second major battle when it's in the middle of like a, a ruined city, mm-hmm. they have a shot that is from like a, I don't even, it's like a third person perspective where they're using that like floating ball camera that the, the actual player controlling Gerard Butler, what he's watching him through like a little floating orb and it's this third person over the shoulder that looks like resident evil 4 basically for that five to ten second sequence when he's running and shooting i know exactly what's happening because it looks like a game and it's designed so i can see when the kid is in the room and you see gerard butler in the screen and he's moving him and shooting him i was like why can't they just do this like it's seamless i can see what's going on and they only showed it once just so we could see what the kid is seeing but it, it, yeah, we needed more I think of it. They should have leaned more mm-hmm. into that. Similar sure. to you think about the five minute sequence at the end of Doom or going back to like Hardcore Henry. That was entirely first mm-hmm. person. And yet I never felt super confused as to what was going on. This Correct. you had mm-hmm. the advantage of a camera that can be anywhere. And I was confused most of the time. But that over the yeah. shoulder camera that you can justify mm-hmm. as the player Simon is watching cable. The character would have been better. I agree. No action scene ever made me feel like he was in danger, that I was stressed for him or worried for him. Before I was even trying to f- start to figure it out, he exited the battle. And I'm like, I'm lost. I, I these fights. I have no idea what's going every, on. Every single action scene, I had the opposite feeling. Every single action scene, I thought he should be in danger because it was so random. Because who's an enemy? Who's on his side? Is anybody on his side? Like, why doesn't just anybody shoot him? I had no idea of the concept of the battle. They don't even explain how the battle works. So yeah. every single time, like, there are more than a few times where the person beside him gets their head blown off. And I was like, yep. I don't understand why that's not him. Like it, it could easily have been him. So to your point, there's no tension there because you don't know how close he's coming until someone beside him dies. But then again, it, it ruins my disbelief that he survived this long <laughs> randomly. Well, <laughs> like, and one thing that I thought they might play into that they bring up very early in the film and it's never addressed is the idea of he's running for the save point. Yes. If you're controlling a real human being through computers or whatever nonsense they're using, you're controlling a real human being in a battle. What good is a save point if he gets like, Shot. does it mean that he gets in there and he can't like, is it that he gets into like a bomb proof whatever and hides in it? Is that what it was? Because I, I wasn't entirely clear as what the same point is. You know what? That's is a, a better room? explanation than I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was the exit. I thought it was. Because I thought they right. might play into that where maybe he leaps into a safe room to save himself from like Terry Crews trying to get him once. Like it's some kind of like bomb proof bunker. But it just gets thrown in there at the beginning no. as like a this is a video game term. We'll put this into our video game movie which is a lost opportunity. Yeah, and I just thought 
it was the exit. Like I thought that's, they, they got out there. Now how any of it works, where they enter this place, <laughs> is that is that save point at the end of a zone, in the middle of a zone? I have no idea. I don't know how big the maps are. I don't know how many people yeah. are participating in every combat. Like I get that there are a lot of death row criminals, but for how long? Because it seems like you, you're given the impression he's the only one who survives these things. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, I don't know who he's competing against, which I guess leads into the second bad guy element where they just start throwing any criminal in here. Basically, right. if you're a criminal, you go in. doesn't matter if you're death row or not. You end up going in. And that's something else I what thought would have been interesting. I didn't care. If they lit into that, because again, they're talking about at the very beginning when you've got Michael C. Hall, uh, Ken Castle is the the villain's name. When you've got him yes. explaining to someone on a talk show that, what was it, 68% of the uh, American public, he was a, a cock solid 68% have voted for this program, which is just yeah. the best line out of this movie. But when he's saying they've kind of agreed, this is a great idea. It's getting rid of the excess costs of the jail population. It's actually making money for us. The program, the Slayers game, to my understanding, has only been open for a short while because Cable is the first one. And he's 27 games in. He's been there since the beginning. They don't give a clear indication of how long between games, but it looks like it's only a couple of days. So I'm going to argue maybe a couple of months have gone by and that's it. When you Mm. run out of death row inmates, do you start putting people in this because they ran a traffic ticket? Like, yeah, because they annihilated a lot of people because it's making them money. That means they're going to want to keep doing it. And I thought that would be interesting for them to play into that. If this is a little bit further along and they're running out of like death row people and they're starting to to use maybe lesser crimes, that could have been interesting. That could have been a fun satire of how money means more than people. But again, mm-hmm. they don't play into it, unfortunately. There's really good ideas they could use. They don't play into it. Yes, and that's the problem with this whole movie is that like there's actually a lot of potential. And it really made me sit down and realize that like there's some movies and I'm like, how did that get made? This is not one of those movies. This is a movie. You walk into a room and you pitch the idea and the idea is solid. I'm going to create a movie and it's going to be a meta commentary on social media and and society and our jails and justice and our, our sort of voyeuristic tendencies, very, you know, medieval Roman type things where we want to see a gladiatorial arena type stuff. And it can have all these points of pressure that could be conflict within the story. And you would be, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. Why don't we make that? And then I don't know what 13-year-old wrote this, but the crank they handed team. it to some, some kid. <laughs> Did you not see Crank? <laughs> I'm just saying. This is more mature than Crank. That's the problem. Some 13-year-old This needed this. to be and as juvenile. One of the biggest issues I had when you look at what Slayers is and what that society is, how are both of those systems built in an area where it almost seems like anybody can just, there's boundaries, you can just leave it any time. That surprised me. How is Slayers not some sort of huge arena in the middle of a desert or an island or something like that where they can't get off, yeah, or or (laughs) only Australia? What do you mean it's, it's beside (laughs) <laughs> the uh, yeah. the society game where the gunners where yeah. the murderers can just jump out if they if they actually are good enough and just starts killing people <laughs> in society yeah. it makes no sense server space like, yeah. is difficult to maintain so they had to put them right beside each other <laughs> it's, it's fine yeah. 
Oh, Christ. And, and like one of the things that I didn't really, and I don't know why this happened. So one of the conflicts in the story is after Gerard Butler's character goes to prison, his wife loses her child for reasons. Like why, why did she lose the kid? I don't, well, understand, I don't understand that one either. I don't get that. No. They didn't explain it. Because it makes well, it look like she's, she's an actress in society because she's trying to make money to get her kid back is how I tried to understand the, the story. Right. Again, I had to fill in the blanks because they don't actually tell you or, or probably wasn't even written. But I could, for the life of me, figure out why. If he's in prison, it doesn't mean like she didn't commit the crime. Like She, she wouldn't have her child right. taken away from her because he went to prison. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, God. Now, I will oh, say one God. of the things I kind of liked about the the trope of how they've set up Gerard Butler in this, where he's a really solid soldier, mm. but the point of the actual technology isn't just so he can create slayers in society, it's to be able to control just people in general. Ken Castle's whole thing is mm. to be able to have world domination. So don't just find some death row inmate, find a soldier, and then see if you can program him to murder his best friend, which would mm. go against everything he wants to do. And then, of course frame him and throw him into the game which i didn't understand quite as much maybe just kill him after he does that yeah yeah so it's an interesting trope in terms of (laughs) the setup for it but then why leave him alive to deal with you later but yeah it doesn't explain why his wife has had their daughter taken away from them at all i don't understand that one little bit but speaking of his wife so her working for the game society this real life sims this mm-hmm. might have been the most uncomfortable moment of the film for me early on. When you see the dude mm-hmm. that is controlling her, what in the good God is this guy? He is Jabba the Hutt brought to but human that's what form. It would be like. Not just in ter- <laughs> terms of the fact that he's a big dude, but he's like dipping full waffles into bowls of syrup and just yes. shoving them into his mouth. He looks like he's yes. never seen a razor for any part of his body. Yeah, or a shower. All sweaty. Or, or the whole room is dark, but you can still tell that he's sweaty, even though it's dark in yeah. there. I was very yes. thankful and that he didn't like, have proper lighting. He's breathing heavy, even though he's sitting down. Like, oh my god. He is dripping slash glistening in sweat. Glistening. Sitting down. That's not sweat. That's glistening. syrup coming out of him. It could be. It is unreal. Is he in a diaper? I can't and tell. then when you see him start to take control of her, and then that's when you start to see what society's like. Uh, the first question I had right away is, how does like the medical procedures work in here? Because like you're seeing people fall over, cut themselves, oh yeah, and yeah. they're like laughing and licking, and it's like okay, but that's a really bad wound. They're probably going to yes. die from that if it doesn't get looked at. Right like, at the end of the day, yeah. you're going to need help. There's got to be like. It, it didn't make sense. Even even yeah. like them having no. sex. It's like, okay, but you can't like they have diseases. Like <laughs> how are yes. you preventing the diseases from passing? Like this is the dumbest. The more immediate thing ever. question to <laughs> me was so take a game like The Sims, as we understand it. Sure. You turn on the game, you play the game, and I guess yes, you have the psychological idea of I'm cr- controlling this character, but that's all you really have. There's no tactile mm. sensation. There's just right. I control a character. There doesn't seem to be any difference in this. He's just controlling a character. Does the player who's jacking in feel anything of the people that are in society? It seemed like it at the end. I couldn't tell. It seemed like it, but not. So the people who are playing Slayers don't seem to feel anything. But the people who are playing Sims seem to be getting off on it. And I don't know if that fat Job of the Hut guy was getting off on control. Hmm. 
or if he was actually getting off because he could feel what yeah. she's feeling, I genuinely don't know. It's like there's a mental because sink. I actually didn't even like I I didn't even understand. So when you watch the kid control Cable, he's like standing and moving and like he's mimicking yes. playing a game, but fat guy's just sitting there, right? And giving and saying he's saying things that she repeats. What's the control? Yeah. What's the interface? Like he's not hooked up to anything. He's just sitting in a chair and a diaper or something. Right. And just saying <laughs> Jesus. Though I will say it was kind of awesome when I'm trying to remember if like the connection breaks or whatever it was, but either way, something happens in yeah. his game. He doesn't like, and he throws the yeah. waffles at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> just yes. Kryn going, is he throwing waffles at the TV? I'm like, yes, yes, he is. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> it's the most active he is in the entire film because the next time you see him, he's on a mobile cart in his own home, driving himself around. <laughs> yeah. This dude has let himself yeah. go. It was like watching. Remember the movie Wall-E and how the the humans kind of let themselves yeah. go because the robots are doing everything. They play that one for laughs. This one's like the darkest meme version of that. It was so mm, yes. off-putting. Oh my god. God. Yes. Oh, so cringy. So cringy. Now, moving back ahead to the battles and the Slayers, because society, there's other weird stuff we can get into later, including Rick Rape. We'll get to him. Uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But going back yeah. to the Slayers, the other thing that was confusing to me was when John Leguizamo was there at like the sand prison and he's talking to Gerard Butler. And I'm thinking, you don't look like a military badass. Why are you here? Even if you do the argument of, mm-hmm. oh, he's another death row inmate. How has he survived any length of time? What is his job? Yeah. Is he going to be out there shooting mm-hmm. as well? And then when you see what he's actually doing, he's out on the battlefield <laughs> sweeping up. He's an NPC. He's why do yeah. they have real live NPCs in this? No. And why would you ever, ever allow yourself? I want to at least be a slayer with a gun. Why is he given a yeah. broom? Why would you want that job? No. And who's controlling? No, him? but that's right? but that was the whole thing, though. <laughs> or what's the whole thing about that? was the fact that he wasn't supposed to be there. That was the one clue in the plot that they were doing something they weren't supposed to because that guy was technically not supposed to be in there because when he sees him, he's like, what are you doing in here? Right. You're not supposed to be here. But there's multiple NPCs even before that. In like the bombed out city they're fighting in, you have that one NPC that's going to get hit by... get hit by someone's bullets tr- or bomb yes. or whatever. And Gerard Butler the car. goes out of his way it's to try and save him. And then that NPC yes. just mindlessly walks, walks back, back out into the street and gets hit by a bus, which did make me laugh. Yes. <laughs> as yes. callous as that is, that's the level yeah. of satire I wanted throughout this whole thing. Yeah. But how is the public not upset about NPCs in this game? Yeah. Because they're given no level of agency. They're given no chance to survive. It's, it's outright murder. Really. I don't, <laughs> yeah, like I don't think though. I think the public isn't like. But they see the, them. And again, we are giving the script. Mm-hmm. We are giving the script way more credit here than it than it actually. I deserves. always do. But world not building. Me. But not me. But I think the public just assumes everybody in there is a death row inmate because that's all they're told. It doesn't matter that they're a slayer or not. If they see an NPC, they're like, "Oh, that's just some slub." No, they think that's a death row inmate who's who's just in there. So they think everyone is free to be killed. I suppose. So like the whole plot that they were trying to reveal, and I don't even know why they would do it was that they were rolling in people who were not death row inmates. Now, why that whole plot and that whole thing makes 0% sense (laughs) is by the end of the movie. 
Because by the end of the movie, he reveals his master plan. He's developed the nanites so small you can breathe them in and he will control the planet. And I was literally sitting there thinking, okay, everything this movie's established, that'll work. He, all he has to do is like put it into a ventilation system, you know, rent a plane and drop it over cities. Like they would never know. And I couldn't understand then why anything else mattered. Like nothing else mattered because the real plot was this guy's actual plan to take over the world. So it ends up Gerard yeah. Butler saves the world, except nobody knows this except him and his family in that last moment, which is the stupidest. Michael C. Hall is a great actor. He's awesome in this, though. I really like him in this. Yeah, he is. His acting is good in it. And I just thought of all. And again, this is not because his acting is bad, but I just thought of all of the places they could have tried to take him and this character. That's the route they chose. He's like a comic book villain, but a bad one, like one from the 60s. Like, it's just it's just so he's so over the top every single time he's on screen. And I don't mind the scene chewing. I love it, actually, because, again, he is the highlight of every scene he's in. He's he's just the best part. But I was just sitting there thinking, this is the guy who was able to play like Dexter, nuanced, complicated character. And this is what he's doing in this movie. It's so ridiculous. Absolutely. Oh, God. Now, in all fairness oh, to the evil plot, though, in all fairness to it. If I'm going to compare, for example, this plot of I'm going to use these nanites eventually to take over the whole world to say Resident Evil, where the plan is we're going to make horrible monsters. Why? So that we can have horrible monsters and take over the world. This one makes at least somewhat more sense. And to me, monsters are cool. True. I read this as (laughs) society and slayers. If you're going to think of it in video game terms are as alpha and beta test of his system before he releases it public. And the whole point of it is the money it's making is so he has the resources to be able to make it public. Again, I know I give these things way too much credit, but that's how I read it. Way too much credit. But (laughs) but that's why I didn't understand, though, why he needed the NPCs and Slayers. No idea. You don't need them. Just for cruelty. you you have them in society. So whatever risk he's exposing his program to by having non-death row inmates in Slayers is is stupid because he could have taken the same people and just put them in society. They make no sense in Slayers. They make no sense. Like it doesn't make any sense. But moving back onto positive things, because I swear there's at least some Terry Crews. If you want to talk about overacting, Terry Crews should get an award for overacting in this. (laughs) This character is completely pointless. Somehow he was also glistening in every scene he was in. It was weird. Yeah. And I'm starting to wonder if this is, a trope associated with video games. And I don't understand why it is, if this is the case, but how many of these films have we watched now where a character bursts into song? Because there's (laughs) two in this film. Terry Crews starts singing no strings on me. And then later on when Michael C. Hall gets confronted, uh, sorry, when Ken Castle is confronted by our hero cable, he has a bunch of mind controlled people coming out, like snapping their fingers, like it's West side story. And uh, what was the, what was the song he was singing? I can't remember. It was, um, under my skin. He's singing under my my skin skin. while they're all coming at him and fighting him. Yes. You had Assassin's Creed, where you had Fassbender singing uh, Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are so many of these having yeah. musical numbers? It's really weird. Because it works. It's I good. guess. You know what? I think it's just because they're like, hey, we're already this far in a genre. Let's just throw them all in there. <laughs> I want Video Game the Musical. I think I would watch it. 
This one tried For to do sure. it, but didn't fully it. commit. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch it. I would absolutely. If it was a musical, it. it might have had a bit more redeeming qualities. And I did if like. If this was a musical, it might have been the best musical ever made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you have Gerard Butler with his plan, at one point the the humans who we, sh- we haven't mentioned at this point, but are a rebel group that want to stop society and slayers <clears throat> from existing, they reach out to Simon, the player that controls Cable. God, this story sounds more complicated than it actually is. But when they're yes. talking, Cable says to him, I need you to get me something to drink. And I'm like, okay, what kind of awesome plan is this? And he downs, what was it, entire bottle of vodka in yeah. the space of like, yes. I want to say six and a half seconds, which is absurd. Yeah, chugs, it. chugs it. Yeah. He should die instantly from it. that. And then as soon as he goes down on the battlefield, he's terrible. His aim, his focus, everything is gone. I'm like, this is a bad plan until you realize he's so drunk that, what was it, the the system can't control him anymore and he can break free? It's an amazing plan. (laughs) It reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean where it's the, that is the worst pirate I've ever seen, followed by, there goes the best pirate we've ever seen. (laughs) So that that scene is further evidence that a 13-year-old wrote it because... (laughs) He chugs it in six seconds and is immediately almost fall down drunk. Look, he's going to be drunk, not that fast, because he's literally drinking it as he's walking up the ramp. And by the top of the ramp, he can't walk in a straight line. No one gets that drunk that fast. I'm sorry. It does need time. (laughs) Even if it's five minutes, it needs time to hit you. And then the plan, which is really the part of the plan, I don't think it was less even about the controlling him <laughs> because ultimately that's ridiculously dangerous. The one thing controlling him, he's, he's going to remove, but put himself in a state that he can barely function. But the real part of the plan is because he's going to apparently vomit up pure alcohol and pee out pure alcohol just enough to power a vehicle so he can put gasoline in it because it runs off an ethanol <laughs> so he can hotwire it and drive that's it that's what it was yes and apparently use that to escape puking puking it in the vehicle peeing, doesn't work but sure good idea <laughs> puking and peeing in this thing is not only enough for it to start but in, but is there so much <laughs> of it in there he's able to go through a car chase like he didn't puke up one dollar's worth of gas. <laughs> it's a pretty good car chase, though. In terms of action scenes, it's one Where of the better ones. Going, it yeah. is actually one of the better. Yeah, like the scenes. the evil corporation with their snow plows that they're chasing oh, with and smashing them around. God. I kind of like that action yes. scene. It was okay. So, and I gotta ask. So, and again, because this movie is silly, why, why, why do they have snow plows? There's no I, snow to ram you like, just in case what? you pissed and puked alcohol into a vehicle and tried to escape. I thought it was to clean up all the body are, parts. That actually makes more sense. <laughs> but I think they're, they're literally Yeah, I think Wayne's right. They use it as like uh, cleaning up the debris after a fight. Yeah. But here's the thing. They've literally established that they give hyper-advanced weaponry <laughs> to the prisoners inside of this game. Are you telling me the guards... <laughs> who make sure people don't, I don't know, escape the game, aren't equipped with some sort of fail-safe, yeah, really. some sort of better <laughs> weapon to stop said breakdown. You know what's amazing? With all other of this, than a snowplow. <laughs> with all of the hyper technology guns oh, and all of this amazing tech to have control people and stuff like that, isn't it sad to know in the future they still can't figure out lag? <laughs> they still have ping, right? So they still have still lag. Ping. I liked the way they dealt with that. Where <laughs> what was it? One of the guards saying like, 
who's doing so the killing, funny. you or the player. And he goes, well, mm-hmm. you know, the player mm-hmm. tells us what to do and this and that, but they don't control us completely because if they do, we're not fast enough. Yeah. He goes, he'll tell me who to kill, but in that moment, when I pull the trigger, it's me. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. to me, at least explains why Gerard Butler has survived as long as he has. Because if it's purely the player, then really you're arguing that Simon's the most badass person in the world. Yeah. The badass is Gerard Butler. He's an amazing soldier. Yeah. See, I don't buy that. For a dollar. Because all he does is pull the trigger. Simon is still controlling his body. And again, mm-hmm. the scene, at the very first scene, where he's like, turn me around. That's Simon not turning him around. And that does establish that Simon then is badass because Simon has to be like, huh, Spidey sense, someone's behind me in order for him to turn because there's nothing Gerard Butler can do in that moment. Again, Simon is the pointing. Gerard is the the trigger puller, which means Simon is badass. He's the most badass rich spoil kid you've ever seen. (laughs) And I would almost argue he would almost be as good as Gerard Butler because he's just as fast. He's just not pulling the trigger. So he is badass. All right. I concede your points. The movie could be better in parts. Uh, but there's still more in things parts. that are fun about it. In parts. Sure. Like, there's moments I like. Like, sure. for example, the bizarreness of the character Rick Rape. What his entire purpose is, I don't really understand. But it does have that juvenile gamer mentality of when you see someone's ridiculous name online, it's like the very the very first character that you see in the action scene who's literally teabagging someone who's dead. That kind of yes. stuff peppered into this is funny. Yes. And then to yes. see Delia is about to have a bad time with Rick Rape as as Cable comes in there and he picks that dude up and just straight banes him over his knee. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. Just and ruins had- the dude. And is and it like- okay? Is it Rick Rape's What's fault? Happening because there? he's just a dude that's being controlled he's by someone outside of it. Yeah. Yes. We're like, made to, up, right? to see him as the villain, but he's just a dude being controlled. But at the same time, yeah. if society, if you choose to go in society and do your job, if day one, yeah. your player names you Rick Rape and does some bad stuff to other characters, do you want to go back to work tomorrow? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's your, and I'm that's assuming you're on contract. Mean, at that point, I have to say he's probably a little complicit because <laughs> I don't think I want to go back to that job. I think I want to like be the guy sweeping up the rubble and slayers at that point. I feel like I'd sleep easier. <laughs> so an interesting thing that I was actually genuinely curious about, and again, it's assumed because they tell you nothing, but I guess you buy the person or like you own them as an avatar because like no one else seems to use anyone yeah, else's players. It's like a like, contract. There's one scene where, yeah. Yeah. Like these two, remember those two girls who like mm-hmm. flash their boobs to him to try to buy key. Right. Oh yeah. Um, they had the best name, uh, come dumpster <laughs> spelt yeah. with a K and a yes. dumpster with an A, uh, which fun yeah. fact, I looked them up afterwards. It's like these poor girls, that's an unfortunate name. Did they go on to do anything? And they played Saga in Picard season one. So they went on to do something proper. So good for them. They played the, <laughs> oh. the twin sisters. Yay. Oh. Still a terrible name. Awkward. Come dumpster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah. offered him like $50 million to buy cable. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And he said no. He said right? no. It's weird. Well, proving that he's rich enough to afford that stupid gun that can kill everybody. So I think that proves only he could afford it. Mm-hmm. But 
Here's my other thought process, though, about their world that they build. So when Cable escapes, he goes back into his room. (laughs) And it's so true. And he goes back into his room, which is like, obviously, the way his system is set up. It's like a 360 screen of everything. And he's inundated with, you're a cheater, you're a fake, blah, 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 like all these things. And I was just like, wait a minute. You don't have a way. It's like it's like taking your Facebook wall and spreading it around you, but you have no controls to be able to filter things out. Like, because he's getting all this hate mail and messages, and it's all just showing him it. And I'm just like, that's a weird feature to have turned on. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, I don't know. Have it streamlined. Like, how does he even manage that when he's playing the game? Like, what works? No idea. So many. No idea. No one knows. People who wrote it don't know. Why should the actors know? A couple of other things I wanted to bring up that I thought were interesting. The non-reactions of people that are in society. So not just the the shootout that happens in the club, but specifically Mm. in the elevator. When you have two people that are in there Mm -hmm. and the the one player who's telling his character to shove the knife into another person's throat and they can't do a thing about it. Yeah. Again, if they leaned into that heavier, that would be awesome. Yeah. But it That's... is a kind of scary idea for showing how strong this mind control stuff is. Because it's not just you'll hurt anybody. You won't even preserve your own life if you're not told to. Right. Which is yeah. wild. Yeah. It's a really cool Again, setup that unfortunately that they don't do much allowed. with. <laughs> well, they don't yeah. do much with other than at the end when, of course, Ken Castle, Michael C. Hall's character, proves that he's controlling people in the reverse direction because he doesn't just receive information like they do he's designed to send information so he can stop gerard butler's cable from attacking him which led to the most clever thing this film does when cable is holding a knife and he's trying to put it into castle but can't and then says to him imagine this knife imagine it going into you the idea of getting him to visualize that so that he's now allowed to stab him was kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. I that thought that was a clever part. way of getting past that mental, like that mind block yes. that he created. I thought it was great because then it's I knew the, the movie was almost over. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was the best part of the movie, except when you think again that if it's that easy, just imagine letting go of the knife. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's just, yeah. sure. It's just... So, but I still liked that moment. They tried there. They swung for the fences. One on thing that I will one. say about this mm-hmm. movie one one of the things that I I I was able to find some joy in in this movie <laughs> that was similar wow. in in some others was for some reason the world revolves around video games. Again, basically, it's ready Ready Player One. Again, it's an R rated Ready Player One. The world revolves around video games, both from a Sims and a Call of Duty style deathmatch. Again, everyone's watching a deathmatch, and um, that was it. That's uh, that's the last bit of joy I could find because it made me think of better movies. Now, <laughs> I came to a realization watching this, and this is mm-hmm. this is not for the audience. This is for us because as much as we want to find joy in these films, I also want to avoid ones that are painful so that we want to keep doing this. And I found two warning signs, two canaries in the coal mine, if you were, that if I mm-hmm. see them in another film, I'm steering clear of it. One is if the main character has angel wings on them. Hmm. So, for example, Cable, when they have him projected on the screen, has our fallen hero, because at one point it's presumed that he's dead as he's yeah. escaped, rest in peace. And they have these angelic wings behind him. The last film I remember with angelic wings behind the main character is Max Payne, which yeah. I did not enjoy. Mm. Now, speaking oh. of Max Payne, 
correct me if I'm wrong, did it not also have Ludacris? Like, this film had Ludacris? Was Ludacris was not he? one of the the police officers that's trying to track down Max Payne? Because he's the leader yeah. of the humans in this. So if I see another video he game is. adaptation with Ludacris in it, I'm steering clear. <laughs> that's fair. Those two things are by the warning. Way, and by the way, the the way that humans are chumped so easily. Like, they shouldn't even exist in like this story got- for how easily they're taken out. Yeah. Right? Oh, they only God. exist to get Gerard Butler's character somewhat free of the mind control. Yeah. And even then it doesn't work. Yes. Because they're like, oh, yeah, you're free. And then the villain at the end's like, oh, yeah, I saw what they did and I reversed it a couple minutes later. So they did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They accomplished <laughs> nothing. Exactly. <laughs> That's why we didn't bring them up until now. Because honestly, you could pull them out of the script and it almost yes. wouldn't matter, which yeah. is kind of sad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, any final thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> I reluctantly <laughs> agree with that time. assessment. You know what? I'll be honest. I, I thought it was going to be hard-pressed for me to hate something more than Double Dragon when we started this podcast. I got <laughs> I to admit, man, I think I might watch Double Dragon before I would ever consider watching this again. And I would never watch Double Dragon again. So that's just to kind of set the premise for that. I hated this film. I hated it. Well, <laughs> And I think the the big problem yeah, with this film is not that it's bad, it's that it could have been good. That's the big frustration is you look at it and go, all of the yes. parts are there to make a really solid action film. The initial premise is interesting. Yes. The actors who are there yes. are all solid actors. And the directing duo should be able to make a better film than this. And yet somehow this film was kind of a slog, not boring, but painful. Is maybe the right word? Yeah, it hurt my brain. And if I want to watch a movie but like not this, offensive in terms of its content, just offensive that I'm watching it. If I want to watch a movie with this type of theme, I would just watch Ready Player One. And if they yeah, make a film on Ready Player Two it. based on what I've read so far, then it's going to be a yeah. lot more along the lines of this. Would you call this Ready Player None? <laughs> Christ, <laughs> better writing than this film got. Give me credit. Yeah, you know what? I Actually, like to... it is better writing than anything in that film. <laughs> it, it is. Well played. All right, well, we'll leave it there. That is your cautionary tale. Avoid Ludacris and Heroes with Angel Wings. Avoid Gamer. It wasn't that great, unfortunately. Uh, But when we come back, we will watch a blast from the past that promises to be fantastic. The Wizard with Fred Savage, co-starring Super Mario Bros. 3. Yeah, the longest commercial ever. (laughs) It is the longest paid commercial I've ever seen. (laughs) But I'm willing to bet it's more coherent. I thank you again. We thank you again for listening to Press X to Reload. I have been more with me, Wayne Brissett and Mark Athenas. Gentlemen, gamer sucks. Does it ever. Have a good one. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas. Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.